So we've been in a series titled Juicy Fruit. And uh, we've been talking in this series about the fruit that we are called to produce. And I want to say a couple of things here as we get ready to, to, to continue today. I want to remind you of several things. Number one, the only way that fruit is produced is by the branch staying connected to the vine or the tree. The minute that the branch is disconnected from the tree or from the vine, fruit production ceases. I mean, it, 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 the minute that you cut it off, it's going to stop producing fruit. And many times there are believers who have ceased or stopped fruit production in their lives because of a disconnection from the vine. The good news that we have is the fact that our Heavenly Father, the divine gardener, will regraft us into the tree when we call out to Him. He will regraft us. And the Holy Spirit, which is the sap, will again begin to flow and produce the fruit. I want to remind you, we can't do this on our own. It's a reason why every single one of these things that we've talked about of these fruit, the world has a different depiction or definition of it. We, we talked about peace a few weeks ago. The world says there is peace when there is the absence of strife or conflict. Jesus said you can have peace in the middle of a storm. There's a difference. The world spends billions of dollars trying to find happiness, but happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes, and it's based on circumstance. God gives us his joy, and a joy which is unspeakable. It is beyond words or comprehension. And that's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is a complete different depiction. Now we're going to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We should know these by memory, all right? If you don't know any other Bible verse, by the end of this series, which is 12 weeks long, and today is part number nine, eight, eight, part number eight. By the end of this series, you should have these verses down packed, all right? I want you to actually read it with me. If you're online, go ahead and, and, and actually type it and put it in the comment box. Copy and paste it in there, or at least confess it there with us together. But we're ready. Let's read this together. One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. There's a song that our kids' ministry does all the time. They've been doing it for a year. Uh, uh, they worship to it and they sing to it. And so you guys can say it with me. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut. If you want to be a coconut, you might as well hear it. You can't be a fruit of the Spirit because the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You were supposed to sing it with me, Ailani. You were just staring at me. I was watching you. The fruit of the Spirit. And today we're right smack in the middle. We're going to be talking about kindness. Kindness is the fruit that we're going to be talking about today. And one of the things that I've mentioned week after week, and I want you guys to, to, to understand this. The fruit of the Spirit is. It is one fruit. It is not nine different fruit. It is one fruit. 
And we are called to have this fruit being produced through us because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's nothing that you and I can do. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruit in us. So kindness. Let's talk about the dictionary definition of kindness. If you look up kindness in the dictionary, this is what you'll find. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. The quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. But if there is one thing that you have learned throughout this series is that the world's definition of God's fruit is different as of what God expects and what God sees. It's a different thing. So let's continue going a little bit further here with the fruit of kindness. When you look up the word kindness in the original language there in the book of Galatians, this is what the word means. Goodness in action. Sweetness of disposition. Gentleness in dealing with others. Benevolence affability are another two words for it. And I want to give you some descriptions of this because one of the ways that you can describe it, as a matter of fact, if you, if you read the fruit of the Spirit in the King James Version and in other translations, it says love, joy, long-suffering instead of peace, because it means the same thing. And instead of saying kindness, it says gentleness. Because an attribute of kindness is the being gentle, and it's actually a root word for we, where we get the word gentleman, okay? And so th th there's there. And I want you to get confused, though, because we are in the New King James and in other translations where it talks about gentleness as the eighth part of the fruit, which we're going to speak about in a few weeks. It's meekness. So for further understanding, I want you, that's why we go with kindness, and the other one is meekness. But the reality is that all the fruit interlap. They're interwoven. At times, you can't tell where one stops and the other one starts. Why? Because of the fruit of the Spirit is. It's not separated. It's one. So there's overlap in them. Okay? So kindness. It overlooks the faults in others. That's what the fruit of the spirit of kindness does. Overlooks the faults in others. It is not sharp or bitter. As a matter of fact, I've heard it said this way. The Holy Spirit producing his fruit in us is pulling away of our old character, the flaws, the harshness, and replacing it with his softness and sweetness, okay? Now, it encourages the weak and the afflicted. Kindness is soft-spoken and courteous. It helps others. And here is the main distinction between kindness in the world and kindness as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Are you ready? Because this is a big one. Kindness describes the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. I'm going to read it one more time. It describes the ability to act for the welfare, the well-being of those taxing your patience. What did we talk about last week? Patience. We talked about patience. The one that we're talking about this week, kindness, it's showing this to the people who tax your patience. 
anybody can be kind to the person who's lovable. Anybody can be kind to the person who's nice. Anybody can be kind to that person who's your superior. It takes God in us to be kind to the person that ain't so good. As a matter of fact, if we read in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, you read the whole section, but I want to read specifically verse 44. Matthew 5, 44, this is Jesus saying, I say to you, the previous verse, he says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that was a, that's a lie. No, that's what people used to say. And he says, that's what we said, but that's, that's not what we hear. Let me read verse number 43, sorry. Let's go back to it. You heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what people would say. Where did they get that from? Well, the law said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Love your neighbor. So if we love our neighbor, we're going to hate our enemies. They added that to it. But Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I'm going to read it one more time so it can sink in. I say to you, this is Jesus talking, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So what is goodness in action? Kindness? It is the ability to work for the welfare or the well-being of those who tax your patience. Why? Jesus even said, love the people that drive you bananas. Love the people who are your enemies. Love them anyway. It doesn't say love the people who are nice to you. Love the people who love you. Love the people who are kind. Love the people who are... No, no, no. There's no caveats. It's, 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 as a matter of fact, if, if you can love your enemy, you can love anybody else. If you can bless for the person who cursed you, you can bless anybody else. If you can pray for the person who was spitefully trying to use you and persecute you, you're going to find yourself being able to pray for anybody else. And remember, this is not self-produced. This is by being connected to the vine, growing in God, that the fruit of the Spirit then blossoms and comes out of you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Ephesians 4, 32, it says, be kind to one another, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We must show kindness to all. We must show kindness to all all. We cannot pick and choose who we are kind to. We need to show kindness to everybody. To every single person you come in contact with, you need to show God's love, you need to show God's mercy, and you need to be kind to them. 
Too many times we see the body of Christ not being kind to each other and especially not to the world. We, as believers, sons and daughters of God with a relationship with Jesus, need to show kindness to everybody. As a matter of fact, if you read there in Ephesians chapter 4, before that, it talks about not grieving the Holy Spirit. It talks about getting away bitterness and foul speech and all these things away from you. And it then says, be kind to everybody. Kindness in your actions, kindness in your words. And too many times we think that the kindness is just when we're helping people that we like. We have websites about random acts of kindness. We've got a, a, a national kindness day, an international kindness day, where you want people to pay it forward and show kindness. It, it deals with generosity. But the only way that you can exhibit God's kindness is with the Holy Spirit flowing through you, where you can exhibit it to people who had taxed your patience. Not just to the one that was nice to you. Not self-seeking. Not being kind to someone because they have a higher position and maybe they'll remember you one day and promote you. You're already getting your reward if that's the way you're looking at life. You need to do it so that people can have an encounter with God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus demonstrated kindness. Jesus demonstrated kindness. I can think of so many different examples and times where we see the kindness of Jesus. Every time that he laid hands on someone and healed them, he was exhibiting kindness. When the leper came and called out to him, he didn't heal him from a distance. He went up to the guy and touched him and healed him. Think about that for a second. Nobody wanted to touch a leper. Why? It's contagious. They had to be walking around with a bell screaming, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, stay away from me. Jesus went up to the guy and touched him. How about when Peter chopped off the ear? I almost said hair. I don't know why. I think it's because I looked at Joel and he had no, you know, I, 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 and I almost said he chopped off the hair. <laughs> Peter chopped off the ear of one of the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus bent down, picked up the ear. I can imagine that he blew off the dirt probably. <laughs> you know, maybe he went like this and took it off. I mean, I don't know. But he picked it off the ground and put it on the head of the guy and healed him. I mean, is that not the definition of kindness? Like he was exhibiting that to the guy that was there to arrest him. To arrest them. I remember I, I, I spent about an hour in the back of a squad car several years back. Um, Non-voluntarily, no. Um, I, got, I got pulled over in Sebastian County, Florida at about midnight uh, for suspicion of drunk driving um, because I swerved a little bit. The minute the officer saw me, he said, I can tell you're not drunk, you were sleepy. I was like, yeah. Got, you know, you're right. And um, long story short, he, uh, he asked me to get out of the vehicle because there was uh, an arrest warrant for David Perez. And um, he started asking me questions. Long story short, it was a different David Perez, a David Perez who lived in Tampa that shares my birthday 
Um, and, um, and so, um, you know, he, he put me in the back of the squad car. And I, was, I just talked to the guy. You know, I'm there talking to the officer. And he's like, you know, you're, you're taking this very well. You know, because I was asking him about, oh, have you ever been, you know, he's like, where are you from? I'm from Miami. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been to Miami. And this, that. So I'm talking to him. He's like, man, you're taking this really well. And I said, officer, I know it's not me. But if I give you an attitude, if I'm disrespectful, if I do say anything, I give you a reason to arrest me. So I'll just chill out back here while you figure it out. That is not me. And about an hour later, it took about an hour, figured out it was a different David Perez who weighed 350 pounds. And they were like, that, yeah, yeah. unless you had massive weight loss, it ain't you. Right? And, uh, and I got about my way. And guess what? I was wide awake. I kept driving. I was not sleepy anymore. <laughs> but he, he, he was like, you're, you're treating me. You're treating me well, even though I have you in the back of my police car. Why? That's how you're supposed to act. That's how you're supposed to conduct yourself. That's how you're supposed to treat people. Not just people in authority. Everybody you encounter. Not just people who are nice to you. Everybody you encounter. Not just people who can give you something. Everybody you encounter. Not just people that can give you a blessing, but everyone you encounter. We are called to show this to everyone that we encounter. The Bible says it, and Jesus demonstrated it to us. And can I tell you something? I want to talk for a few minutes about the ultimate act of kindness. The ultimate act of kindness was delivered by God himself. See, the Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you go with me for a minute to the book of Titus. Yes, there is a book in the Bible called Titus. In Spanish, it's Tito. I know some of y'all have a cousin named Tito, but that's not who I'm talking about, all right? Titus is right after 2 Timothy. Chapter number 3 Verse number four through seven, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, again, it's not by your works that you're saved, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What did I tell you was the definition of kindness? Biblical definition, it describes the ability to act for the welfare of those taxing your patience. Can I tell you something? I have taxed God's patience a heck of a whole lot. Yes, I have. But he loved me anyways. Adam and Eve, they taxed God's patience. I mean, they made God play the first game of hide-and-go-seek. God's like, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they're off hiding in a corner. 
God's walking around the garden. Adam, where are you? And he's hiding in a corner. Like a two-year-old. You know when your two-year-old plays hide-and-go-seek with you? And they're like hiding behind a stick, you know, like, can't see me. And giggling. <laughs> like, where are you? God played along for a minute. And then Adam, Adam said, oh, no, no, no. Ah, God is, I felt shame because I was naked. And God's like, and how do you know that? I mean, think about it. God created him. God knew everything that was going on. Adam was taxing his patience, but you know what God did anyways? He clothed him with skins. And then he promised a savior whose name is Jesus. The children of Israel taxed God's patience. They did the back and forth dance. I love you, God. I go back to Baal. I'm back with God. I'm back with Baal. Back and forth with all their different idols, with all their different things. But God loved them anyways. And what did he do as the ultimate act of kindness, he sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins that we might be able to have relationship with him. See, kindness gives. Kindness sows. Kindness is generous. What is the definition of generosity? It's giving something that truly probably the other person doesn't deserve that abundance. As a matter of fact, if we read that verse again in Titus chapter 3, verse 4, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. Do you know that word love there is from the Greek word in which we derive the word philanthropy or philanthropist? And what is a philanthropist? It is a person who has all those kinds of money and stuff. And they give it to an organization, an institution, or to a place. They give it to someone to better them, to increase a cause. We see that in the world standard. God is the ultimate philanthropist. He has everything at his disposal, but he chose to give the most precious thing he had, his son, that you and I might have relationship with him. It wasn't for a tax write-off. It wasn't to get his name in the paper. It wasn't to people to like him and say, look at this person who donated this and that or the other. It was done out of love towards the people that were taxing his patience. And then we turn around and say, oh, I can't pass it on to someone else. No. Our character needs to be molded into the character of God. We don't mold God into us. We are molded to be like him. Our character changes as we more are connected to the vine. As he prunes from us the things that are drawing away and sapping out the ability for you to produce fruit. As he removes friendships, relationships, and things from around you so that you can continue connected to him and produce the fruit that can only be produced by him. But remember what we said week one or week two of this series, the fruit is for others. Never seen an orange tree, peel an orange. Never seen an apple tree, pluck one off of itself and eat it. Never seen, you name the fruit, 
The strawberry little shrub. I've never seen it go ahead and start eating a strawberry. It doesn't happen. The fruit is produced for other people. And most importantly, to the lost so that they can come to Christ. They're hungry and in need of a Savior. And as believers, we've got the answer. And the answer is Jesus. I pray that you're getting that out of this series. The fact that it is our character that needs to be molded to God's. It is us who need to be transformed and changed. Too many times I've heard Christians say things like this. Well, it's just the way I am and God made me this way. If somebody's short-tempered or whatever, you, you name it. This is the way it is. Well, that may have been when you were a non-believer in the world. But as a believer, the Bible says you are born again and the old things are passed away and therefore all things are made new. Oh, I'm this way because I'm Cuban. Or I'm this way because I'm this. Or I'm this way because I'm that. No. This is the way that I am because I'm walking connected to the vine and the sap is flowing through me. And the fruit is being produced. We need to change. Church, part of the problem we have in our country right now is not enough Christians have changed. And too many Christians are putting their trust in the wrong places. They're putting their trust in a political party. They're putting their trust in a candidate. They put their trust in a policy. They put their trust in so many different things. I'm sorry. Your trust can only be put on God. What's going to happen to our country if Trump wins? What's going to happen to our country if Biden wins? I can tell you what's going to happen to me. I'm going to pray for whichever one wins. Who are you voting for? I'm going to vote for the candidate that, in my opinion, stands closest to things I believe in, according to Scripture. But I'm going to tell you the truth. Donald Trump ain't Jesus Christ. And Joe Biden ain't Jesus Christ. There's only one Jesus Christ. And I am tired of the garbage going on in our country right now, where if I say I'm voting for this person or for that person, then we can't be friends. Where if I say I am this party or that party, that's it, push away. That's unbiblical. My trust and my confidence is on Jesus Christ and Him alone. I will not bow down to anything other than God. And I encourage you to follow Christ in the same way. In the last year of this election process, I have seen more Christians 
promote a candidate, whether it be Trump or Biden, irrelevant of who it is, than promote Jesus Christ, and I'm tired of it. I'm sorry, can I be vulnerable? I'm being vulnerable, I'm being transparent, I'm I'm just letting it off. We need to pray more and politicize less. It is important to vote. Imperative. If you are a United States citizen, vote. Don't come tell me later that woe is me and all this is happening and you didn't exercise your right to vote. Vote. Vote for the candidate that closest aligns to things that God says. Are either of them perfect? There will never be a perfect candidate. If Jesus reincarnated and ran for president, he'd be perfect. Vote for him. <laughs> but we know that when he comes again, it's to rule anyways. But it ain't going to be this democracy. It's going to be a theocracy. It's going to be a different ballgame, the way it was intended to be from the day of creation. And that's a whole different series. <laughs> what does the church need to do? The church needs to humble itself. The church needs to repent. The church needs to turn from its wicked ways. And the Bible says that that's when God will hear from heaven. Things going on in our society right now. I, I, let me just put this aside. We'll just, let's get this. Are our oceans getting hotter? Heck yes. Is water rising? Yep. Is it a political party's fault? Nope. It's mankind's fault. We continue to build, build, and more and more out into our oceans, but don't want the sea levels to rise. I mean, that person has never done dishes in their life. All you got to do is have a dish that has a little bit of water and you put something else in it, that water is going to move. Do you know what's happening? Do you know why California is having more wildfires than ever? Before, why we're having more hurricanes than ever? Why we're having more earthquakes and the waters? And Can I tell you what the reality is? It's what the Bible says. The earth is crying out. In Spanish, it says, La tierra gime. It's wailing, it's crying out. And the body of Christ is not walking in love or joy or peace or kindness or patience or goodness or faithfulness or generous or self-control. And then you got a bunch of pastors that ask why people don't want to go to church. Spend less time campaigning and spend more time preaching. like me or hate me, I don't care. I'm going to pray for you and love you anyways because Jesus told me to. (laughs) This is about God's kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And what is God's will? God's will is for every man to be saved. God's desire is for every person to be saved. Is Donald Trump a Christian? I don't know. I don't know him well enough. 
Is Joe Biden a Christian? I don't know. I don't know him well enough. I don't know him either, personally, at all. Just what they put on Twitter and on social media and, and advertisements. But one thing I know, I'm praying for them to have a full relationship with Jesus Christ. And for their hearts to be turned towards the heart of God. Because that's what God calls us to do. My encouragement to you, 3W Church. I'm talking to 3W Church, and if you're not from our church, but you're here watching online, you're part of the family today. My encouragement to you is be the change. When somebody wants to ask you and corner into you, but do you believe this or do you believe that? Is this the candidate? Who are you voting for? Who are you doing? Turn around and tell them, it doesn't matter who I vote for. I'm going to pray for whoever wins. Turn it on them. No, but okay, look at this and that. I'm not here to defend anybody. Jesus is my defense. All I'm called to do is love my enemies, bless those who curse me, pray for those who use me, I'm called to show kindness. And the ultimate act of kindness that we have seen in the history of mankind is the eternal, heavenly Father, creator of the universe, taking the most precious thing that he has, his son. Man, if it was up, if your salvation depended on me sacrificing Abigail, Alexander, or Samantha, you up a creek without a paddle. I'm, I'm not sacrificing my girls for anybody. But God gave his son so that you and I would have the ability to spend eternity in heaven. And that is the good news of the gospel. And what is our responsibility as we continue connected to the vine? Worship team, come on up. As we continue connected to the vine, our responsibility is to go into this dark, broken, and hurting world and show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of them flowing through us because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is flowing through us. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Perhaps you're here today or you're watching online or listening to this on one of our podcasts. And you say, I've heard about God. I've gone to church. But maybe something's missing and you're like, I, 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 I don't understand. I, I can't do what you're talking about. I challenge you to examine yourself and ask if you've truly surrendered to him because let me break it to you going to church does not make you a Christian holding a Bible up does not make you a Christian 
Owning a Bible doesn't make you a Christian. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the first step for you to be saved and have a relationship with God is to believe that Jesus is His Son. What's the second thing? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, would you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Confess it. Confess what you believe. See, because... I, I took science classes in high school and college and the professor taught about evolution and an explosion that created the earth. And you know what? When the test came, I selected the answer that said I came from a monkey. I didn't believe it. I just wanted an A, a in the class. That's the, the picture of people who sit in a church believe that Jesus is, yeah, they, 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 they have some thought process, but they've never internalized it and it become a real belief. They're just circling the answer. I go to church because I was told to go to church. What do you do on Sunday? You go to church, but there's no relationship. So if you want to start a relationship with God today and you believe this, say this prayer with me. If you've walked away from God and you want to get right with him today, say this prayer with me. And church, let's encourage you and together pray and say, God, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. On my own, I can't get to you. But I believe that Jesus is your son, that he came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay the price of my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person that has surrendered to you today. For every person that's gotten right with you today. And Father, for each and every one of us, Lord, that we will do our part to stay connected. That we will prioritize reading the Bible that we will prioritize spending time praying and talking to you, that we will prioritize spending time in worship and praise and adoration unto you, that we will prioritize staying connected to the vine that the fruit might be produced in us. Lord, we give you permission to prune us. Remove from us the things that are inhibiting our growth and inhibiting our production of fruit. Lord, we pray for the election on November 3rd. And Lord, I pray that we will all go and do our right, our ex exhibit our right to vote. Father, that we will vote according to whichever candidate in whatever position is being elected lines up more closely to things that you say. But Father, we commit ourselves to pray for whoever wins, whether we voted for them or not, whether we like them or not, we will pray for them because you have asked us 
to pray for all. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship God for a couple minutes.